0: All right. Well, it's good to be here with you this evening. I appreciate Jeremy leading us in our time of prayer. I was uh, wrapping up a meeting with our nominating committee, and so uh, I sent him an urgent text. I said, "Hey, uh, lead the prayer time for me, and uh, hopefully, I'll be there by the time you get done." And I'm glad I was able to make it. Uh, If you have your Bible tonight, uh, open it with me to Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight, and I do realize it is. Wednesday, and we're going to uh, the Gospel of Mark. If you're not with us on Sunday mornings, we've been working our way through uh, Mark together, and uh, I just haven't been able to, uh, to get away uh, from the text that we were looking at this past Sunday. And so I want us to come back to uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. And um, of course, we looked at it Sunday, uh, but I want to I look at it again this evening but with with this thought what does it mean to confess Christ what does it mean to confess Christ Uh, this of course is the passage where we have Peter's confession you are the Christ Matthew tells us that he said you are the Christ the son of the living God and we we looked at that a little bit this past Sunday uh, but I want to dig just a little bit deeper And I've just been meditating over these verses the last couple of days, can't get them out of my mind. And uh, I really want us to think about what does it mean to say we believe Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we all realize today or tonight that to confess Christ, to confess Jesus is Lord, is more than mere profession. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. Or I could maybe explain it to you this way. Is confessing Christ synonymous with having a Jesus bumper sticker on your car? Is it synonymous with having a Jesus t-shirt or a Jesus bracelet or even being associated with spiritual things? I think we would all realize tonight that no, it means more than that that it's not merely a verbalization that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is Lord, but to truly confess that has a profound impact upon our lives. And I think we see that here in these verses. So I want to I read these verses for us again, and then I want to share, share with you seven things, seven ways uh, in which confessing Christ touches our lives. So let's hear the word of God tonight, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. May the Lord bless tonight the reading and the teaching of his word. So Jesus has asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, gives us the confession, you are the Christ. So tonight I want us to think about what does it mean to say that? not merely the profession that this is the identity of jesus that he is the promised messiah that he is the son of god not merely an understanding of his identity but what does it mean to know and to confess to believe that this is who jesus is the christ And I think there's seven seven things that we can see tonight in these verses. First of all, confessing Christ means a supernatural work has taken place in your life. Confessing Christ means a supernatural work has taken place in your life. And and we've looked at this on Sundays. We've studied through uh, Mark's gospel. Mark intentionally structures chapter 8 to bring us to this understanding He gives it to us in the healing of the blind man, which is just prior to the verses uh, that I've read here tonight. Mark gives it to us in the statement that Jesus provides, excuse me, Matthew gives it to us in the statement that Jesus provides to Peter after his confession, where he says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So to confess... Jesus as the Christ, to confess Jesus as the Messiah, means that a supernatural work of the Spirit of God has taken place in our hearts and in our lives. Just as Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man, for those who confess him as Christ, he has opened their eyes spiritually. Paul would write in Romans chapter 10, in those verses that we're so familiar with about salvation, He says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. So we have this idea, this element of confession, but Paul attaches to that belief in the heart. So what's in the heart proceeds out of the mouth, and for the heart to come to the place of believing and confessing, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is Lord, means the supernatural work of the Spirit has taken place within us. Paul makes it clear again when he writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says there in verse number 3 that no one who has the Spirit of God can say that Jesus is accursed, and in like fashion, no one can say that Jesus is Lord That is, make the confession regarding the identity of Jesus in a a true sense, apart from the Spirit working within them. So we begin here, once more, with the understanding that confessing Christ in the fashion in which Peter is here, and the way it should be in our lives as well, comes about through a supernatural work of the Spirit. So to confess Christ means the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, has been at work in our hearts and in our lives. But secondly, this is where we're going to dig in a little bit more to the text. Secondly, confessing Christ, confessing Jesus is Lord, confessing that Jesus is the Christ shapes all of our life. It shapes all of our life. In our text tonight, Mark tells us that this conversation happens with Jesus as he went on with his disciples. And then there in the middle of verse 27, he tells us specifically that on the way, he asked his disciples. And I I think Mark is certainly recording how this unfolded, but I think in giving us this specific detail, he's telling us a little bit about what it means to confess Christ that it shapes our lives. They were on the way. They were going about their day. They were going about their life. And in that moment, this confession of faith regarding the identity of Christ came from Peter and the disciples. And I think it's an important reminder to us that if we truly confess Christ, it touches every aspect of our life. There's no part of our life that this doesn't intersect with. It was on the way that this transpired. In their daily activity, in their daily life, this confession came about. And I think it reminds us tonight that if we confess Christ, it touches every aspect of our being, every part of our life, every every aspect of our day. I think a lot of times when it comes to people professing Christ or speaking of Christ, they they have it in this compartment. They, they've got their Jesus drawer in their life, right? You know, in your kitchen, you've got all those drawers, and you've got the potholder drawer, and you've got the silverware drawer, and you've got the junk drawer, and you've got the utensil drawer, and that's the way we do our lives sometimes. We compartmentalize them. Well, this is my drawer and this is my family drawer this is my spouse drawer this is my hobby drawer this is my finance drawer and this over here is my jesus drawer well that's not how it works with jesus that's not how it works with confessing him as christ he is not a drawer that is part of our life he's the entire kitchen and everything in that kitchen is touched by him so to confess Christ as Lord means that it it shapes all of our life, every aspect of who we are, every particular detail. He's Lord of our marriage. He's Lord of how we parent. He's Lord of our professions, Lord of our career. He's Lord of our finances, and on and on and on we can go. He, he doesn't fit in a compartment. To know Jesus as Christ means that he is all. It, it's been said that he is either Lord of all, or not Lord at all. And that's how it operates in our lives. So to confess Jesus as the Christ means that he shapes all of our life, every particular aspect. Number three, as we look at the text tonight 9 and we hear Peter's confession, confessing Christ also separates us from the world. It distinguishes us from all others. And this is really kind of the crux that uh, Jesus is drawing the disciples to here. Because as he's on the way with them, he asks the question, who do people say that I am? And we looked this past Sunday at the responses that they gave. Nobody could escape the reality of Jesus. Everybody seemed to understand there was something unique about him. And so some said he's John the Baptist. Some said he was Elijah, others said he was just a great prophet. Today people still have all kinds of conceptions about Jesus. But then he asked them in verse 29, but, it's a contrast. He says, I hear how they think about me, what they consider me to be, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter gives the the correct answer. He gives the confession. You are the Christ. And in doing so, he is separate. He is distinguished from all other responses, from all other people. As we come to confess Christ as Lord, as we come to confess that Jesus is the Christ, it distinguishes us from all others. It really separates us from the way of the world and those who don't know Christ. It marks our lives out to be distinct and different. So here's what we can ultimately say, that if we confess Christ but we're not separate, then have we really come to the correct confession? Do we truly understand that he is the Christ? the Son of God, Lord over all. To confess Christ means that we are distinct and different from the world and those who don't know Christ. As we read through the entirety of the New Testament, what we begin to realize as we get to the epistles and Paul's writings and the other uh, authors of the epistles in the New Testament is that what they are simply showing us is what it looks like to live a life that confesses Christ as Lord, and how it is distinct from the ways of the world, from the the way of the natural man, from the way of the flesh. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk to fulfill the flesh, but we walk in step with the Spirit. We're not in darkness, but we're now in light. So confessing Christ means we become distinct in how we live our lives. So confessing Christ is, first of all, a supernatural work of God in our hearts. Secondly, it shapes all of our life. Third, it separates us from the world. Uh, Fourth, confessing Christ means we stake everything on Jesus. We stake everything on Jesus. This is exactly what Peter is doing here in his confession, We talked a little bit Sunday about what it means to say that Jesus is the Christ and the Old Testament uh, connections that that has, the promised one, the Messiah, the fulfillment of uh, the ultimate prophet, priest, and king, and here Peter is saying that that's who you are, Jesus. He is all in on Jesus. And to confess Christ means that we're the same, that it is Jesus plus absolutely nothing else. And we say that and we understand that, especially if we've been in the church for some time and we, we, we understand the gospel, but I think sometimes if we examine our lives, we'll find that sometimes we're prone to want to say, okay, it's Jesus, but then I need to do a little bit of this. It's Jesus, but i got to give a little bit of that when the gospel reminds us over and over and over again that it's Jesus and nothing. Jesus is the one who has done all the work. Jesus is the one who has provided the sacrifice. Jesus is the only reason by which we are made acceptable to a holy God. And to confess Jesus is Christ means that we stake our eternal life, our eternal existence with God in heaven solely on him. One of my, my favorite preachers to listen to is Alistair Begg. Some of you are probably familiar uh, with his, his ministry. I, I enjoy listening to him and, and I always feel envious when I do because he's got that great Scottish accent. And I think you could get up there and preach Dr. Seuss with a Scottish accent and it's going to sound pretty good and probably be somewhat spiritual. And I have to stand up every Sunday with Southern Draw and see what I can come away with. But. Uh, you've probably seen the, the clips going around on social media uh, some recently, uh, but he was he was speaking at a, a particular conference and uh, he was preaching the gospel and and he was simply asking or answering the question, uh, why should we be allowed into heaven? And he says so profoundly, if your answer to that question begins with anything other than Jesus, you've got the answer wrong. And he goes on to elaborate that it's not even, well, I believe, no. It's not even, well, I, no. Why should we be allowed into the presence of a holy God? Why should we receive heaven for all eternity? It's not because of anything that I've done or anything that you have done. Not even the good things that you have done the only reason heaven is available to us and the only hope that we have of heaven is when we stake everything on Jesus Christ alone. So the only acceptable answer that we have of of why do we have heaven is Jesus. Jesus and nothing else. He goes on in that clip to to give the illustration of uh, the thief on the cross. And, And you remember... That scene is Jesus is being crucified. There's the two criminals on each side, and they are just railing on him, and they are cursing him, and and, and the Spirit of God works in one who comes to the place of confessing that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And and Beck says, all of his family and all of his friends that day felt pretty sure that there was no hope of heaven for him. That this man died without any possibility of enjoying a prospect of an eternal life in heaven. But when death came for him and his last breath was drawn, he was in paradise, he was in the presence of Christ on that occasion, on that day. And Beg says, should they have asked him, why are you here? The only answer that he could give as the man in the middle said I could come. Jesus said I could come. To confess Christ, to confess Jesus as Lord, is to stake it all on him and nothing but him. Number next, what is this, five? Number five, confessing Jesus as Christ means that we surrender our rights. We surrender our rights. We see this here in verse 30, and then in in verse 31, and really into verse 33 as well. But after Peter makes his confession, Jesus turns and he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And then verse 31, he teaches them. And then in verse 33, he rebukes Peter for the confrontation that ensues in regards to Christ teaching them that he will ultimately be crucified. But in each one of these particular verses, Jesus strictly charges, Jesus teaches, Jesus rebukes. Uh, this is all kind of imagery and language of the one who has confessed Christ being placed in, under his authority when we come to confess jesus as christ we lay our rights down we surrender to his lordship to his leadership to his authority in our life that's one of the reasons i'm I'm so uh prone in, in the ministry that i have in calling people to christ uh It's not wrong to say believe in Jesus today, but I think there's a lot of people who have a misconception of what it means to believe in Jesus. I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubble tonight, but you better believe in Jesus a whole lot differently than how you believe in Santa Claus. Because it's not the same thing. All right? So there's a misconception about what it means to believe biblically. And when we use that word believe, I think so often it just it, it, it connotes this idea of just mental assent. and that is an aspect of faith, but that's not the totality of faith. Biblically, believing in Jesus as Christ means that we are surrendering to Him as Lord. This is where we're going to go. Y'all, y'all are y'all are getting a lot of Matthew, or excuse me, Mark eight last Sunday, Wednesday night, and then it's coming again next Sunday as well. But this is is what Jesus is going to tell us. Lose your life. Lay your life down. That's Jesus' invitation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus bids a man to come to him, he bids him to come and die. That'll pack a house out. But that's what Christ says. And to confess him as Christ means that we lay our lives down. It is no longer our rights or our authority or our self-focus. It's all him. And when Peter confesses him as Christ, he learns real quick what that means because Jesus rebukes him when he gets it wrong. So to confess Jesus as Christ means that we surrender our rights. We lay our life down to him. Number six. confess Jesus is Christ means that Satan is against us. It means that Satan is against us. We kind of unpacked what was going on in Peter's confrontation this past Sunday, but as Jesus explains what's coming with the cross, Peter is kind of taken aback and he does the unthinkable and tries to rebuke Jesus. It doesn't end so well for him. In verse 33, Jesus turns and openly rebukes Peter and the other disciples, and he says, get behind me, Satan. And we talked about how in that moment, the the mindset of Peter was, was that of Satan. Jesus, you can't go to the cross. You can't lay your life down. You can't suffer. That was exactly what Satan wanted out of Christ. He wanted to keep him from the cross and now Peter's mindset is in line with that and so the Lord rebukes him to correct that and he says to Peter get behind me Satan. You have the mind of Satan. You're allowing Satan to operate through you. As I was just thinking about that over the past couple of days it's when we come to confess Christ when we come to Surrender to Jesus as Lord, that the enemy is then really out to get us. And you remember later on, towards the end of his earthly ministry, what Jesus would say to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But he has desired to have his way with you. He said, But I prayed for you and your faith won't fail. But what we've got to realize, and I think what we should be reminded of tonight, is that when we come to the place of truly confessing Jesus as Christ and surrendering to Him as Lord of our lives, and all of our life is shaped by Him and staked upon Him for eternity, and we're living differently than those who are of the world, understand you've got an enemy. And it's really not until that moment that you have that enemy. I I would... Remind you tonight that those who are of this world, Satan's not against them. Now, he's not necessarily for them, but he is not against them. Why should he be? But when we stand for Christ and confess Christ and know Christ and live for Christ, uh, we have an enemy at that point. Peter would say he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Paul would tell us in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. So to confess Christ means that life becomes a battle. All of life becomes war. Satan will be against us. And then finally, number seven, as we think about confessing Christ and and what that means, is when we confess Christ, it will shift our focus. It will shift our focus. This is where Jesus ultimately takes Peter. The last part of verse thirty-three, he says, "For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man." Says so Peter, "If I am the Christ, and you know me as the Christ, how you think is going to be different." Paul would write in Romans chapter twelve, and just. Reminds you again that the first 11 chapters of paul's writing in the, the letter to the to the romans is just him distilling the gospel he plums the depths of the gospel he gives us the beauty of the gospel and then when he comes to romans chapter 12 he then shifts to make application of the gospel how the good news of jesus as the christ and his lord shapes our lives how it how it changes who we are and one of the first things that paul tells us is that by the gospel by the mercies of god our minds are renewed we think differently we no longer think after the things of this world or the the ways of the flesh but we we think according to the gospel we think according to christ we have paul says in philippians the mind of christ is now in us So here, Jesus is drawing that to Peter's attention in a a rather bold and a harsh way. He says, Peter, you're not thinking in a spiritual way. You're not thinking in a gospel way. He says, instead, you're thinking from an earthly perspective. So to confess Christ means that our focus has shifted. We're no longer consumed with the earthly things, but now we're thinking of heavenly things. Paul would write in uh, 1 Corinthians um, Nope, nope, nope. It's not 1 Corinthians. Think, think, think. Um, Goodness, this is going to drive me crazy. Paul would write in Corinthians We'll just go that way. That because of the gospel he no longer 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul would write that he no longer knew any man according to the flesh. He says, I no longer think along those lines, I no longer think in those categories, but because he had come to see Jesus as the Christ, to confess him as Lord, his mindset and how he viewed his his fellow man was altered, it was changed. He thought in regards to heavenly things. He thought in regards to the things of God. So to confess Christ means that our minds have become renewed our approach and our attitude and our concerns in this life are made different and made new. To know Jesus as Christ shifts our focus. What once was important is now of no importance. Jesus, in one of the parables that he taught, he likened it to a man who walking across a field found a buried treasure. Remember this? And it wasn't necessarily uncommon to find treasure in fields in those days. They didn't have banks, so they would sometimes dig holes and deposit their treasures in, in fields. And this man stumbles across it, and he finds it. It's the greatest treasure he's ever seen. And in haste, he goes and gets rid of all that he has so that he can buy that field says i've got to have that feel everything else to him no longer mattered except that treasure and jesus says that's what it's like for the kingdom of god for those who know him as christ for those who have come to surrender to him as lord for those whom the spirit has supernaturally worked in their heart and life those who have staked everything on jesus as their greatest treasure nothing else now matters Everything is in relation to him. Their minds are renewed. So tonight I simply ask you, have you confessed Christ in this way? Not have you professed Christ, not have you given a a verbal acknowledgement that, yeah, Jesus is Christ. But has your life been changed by knowing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Is this your confession? Let's pray.